So, um, the church, as many of you know, is on a three-year cycle of readings, A, B, C. Sometimes we, there's just one set of readings every year on a particular feast day, etc. Uh, but otherwise, it's divided A, B, C. But then sometimes, too, the church allows us to use A every year. And from next year on, I'm always going to use A every year for Holy Family Sunday. Because today we hear about Jesus being 12 years old and just yesterday he was born. So we, we missed a lot here. And in A, uh, in A, what we've got is the Holy Family in those readings in the gospel. Jesus has been born. They're in the cave here. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, you've got to get up. Get, get up and go tonight and make your way for Egypt because Herod is looking for the baby. And so this is, this is what, kind of in a chronology of things, Jesus is born, the shepherds go and visit him, uh, the magi make their way to him, he's presented in the temple, uh, they make their way down to Egypt, so these kinds of things are happening at this time. So, but here we have this feast of the Holy Family, where the, the church says, right after Christmas, our focus on that Sunday after Christmas would be on this very Holy Family. So we imagine this holy family in the cave at Bethlehem, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And we look upon this with a great deal of tenderness, a great deal of warmth of this family scene, this nuclear family that is the holiest that ever lived. And what's going on there? So they don't have TV sets, they don't even have a couch, they don't have the creature comforts that we have. There's no bathroom, there's no running, running there's no toilet. There's no kitchen to prepare stuff. They're in a cave that's used by animals. Okay. But we still look upon them with a great deal of, ah, I wish I could have that. Or at least I wish I could be with them. For good reason. What we're really attracted to when we look at the Holy Family is that word, holy. We look at that family and go, that is holy. And we are naturally drawn to holiness just as we're naturally drawn to God and to the angels, because they're holy, and we want to be holy, or we want to be next to it, or to be with holy. And so today, we focus on the Holy Family. Backing up from that Holy Family, going up 30,000 feet, we just look at family, and we begin there, and then we work our way to the Holy Family. In heaven, before God made the angels, before God made heaven, so God just existed in himself. No heaven, no light, no nothing. For eternity. And then he decided to begin to create. I'll create light, I'll create the heavens, I'll create the earth, etc. Before all of that ever was, there was God in himself. Father, Son, and Spirit. The one God and three divine persons for eternity. Then the one God decided to create. To create the heavens, to create the earth, to create the angels, people, all of the creatures. But before all that happened, God existed in a family of persons within himself. And so when he created the human race, not the angels. The angels don't exist in family because they exist in God. They're created in the presence of God, and that would eclipse spouses and children, etc. So they're in fulfillment with God. 
But on earth with the human race, and even within the animal kingdom, God creates this kind of Trinitarian community that we'll call family. And outside of it, there's no life. Within the animal kingdom, whatever creature they are, whether they're in the sea or in the air or on the land or whatever it is, there is the nature that God gave them, and they must fulfill the nature or they go extinct. They stop having offspring and they go extinct. For human beings, the nature that God created us for was a matrimony and a family. Without it, we go extinct. We go extinct. So there's no like plan B. Well, we'll just have children outside of marriage and all that. No, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work. A majority of Americans today, a majority of adult marriage age Americans, 20 and older, are not married. In the history of Christendom, that's never happened before. That's never happened. We've lost our faith. We lost our faith in God, and then we lost our faith in us, in our own nature. The majority of America's children are not born of their two biological parents in marriage. The majority are born outside of marriage. And if we include the children, the one in four or five that are aborted in the womb, the number just advances dramatically that the overwhelming majority of children conceived are conceived outside of marriage. It should come as no surprise that the American birth rate has not been at replacement level since 2005. From 2006 on, we have not been producing enough babies to replace us. And during COVID, that number has crashed even further. If this just goes on for a couple more centuries, America doesn't exist anymore. We just stopped believing in God. We stopped believing in marriage and family. We stopped having children. We stopped existing. So this is the way in which God is going to fill the earth, is through marriage and family. So why is it so difficult? Well, because there's this guy named Satan. And when God kicked him out of heaven, he kicked him out of heaven down to earth, as the Bible says. And Satan knew from the get-go with Adam and Eve that this was how God was going to do it for us. Very unlike the angels, in which all the angels were created at once, Satan could see, okay, God with people is going to create them over this creation of his called time. Time is a creation of God. And he's going to keep producing them over the arc of this thing called time until God ends time. And the way he's going to do that is through marriage and family. So Satan, wanting to destroy the human race, knows he must do what? He must destroy the family. And that begins with marriage. And so from the get-go, Satan prays upon Adam and Eve. He tempts Eve into sinning and falling, and she does, and she betrays her husband and says, I ate of the fruit. It didn't kill me. It's good to eat. He falls, and he falls then and eats the fruit, and then he proceeds to blame her to God for his own failure. God is trying, or Satan is trying to destroy the human race by destroying marriage and the family. Just as Satan 
tries to destroy the church, which is the means of salvation through the church's baptism and salvation and all that we know about God through the church is where the Bible got written and put into place for us. All we know about God and our ability to live in God happens through the church. If he's going to rob us of salvation, what does he have to do? Satan has to destroy the priesthood. Destroy the priesthood, you destroy the church. You rob people of salvation. But it begins with the priests. Priests know perhaps better than husbands and wives that on their way through years of seminary and their under spiritual attack, that it will never end. They're going to war. Priests will ordain officers in our Lord's army to fight the enemies of God and man until our last breath. Satan lurks in my bedroom and in my chapel. He is always over my shoulder, trying to tempt me to fall, trying to destroy me, that you might lose your faith. And he's trying to do it to you too, in your marriage and in your family. When we get married, we think, oh, well, this is just going to be wonderful. This is just, you know, from now on, I'll be happy with never a bad day in my life, kind of thing. And then we realize, well, that's not working out like I had thought, kind of thing. But we rarely ever think, you know, maybe behind my impatience, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, is Satan. Is Satan. There's my vices and my own failings, etc. But there's always the enemy, too, who's stoking it, knowing our weaknesses because he's been watching us from the day we were born. And he doesn't sleep. Knows all of our sins and all of our shortcomings and temptations, and he knows what lies to push. And so, within married life, the enemy is going to try his best to make sure that we're indifferent toward our spouse, that we take our spouse for granted, that we hold grudges, that we hold on to little resentments, and that we don't forgive, or if we did wrong, we don't apologize. That we're not patient, we're not kind, we're not gentle, we're not loving. He wants to make sure he destroys us by destroying marriage and family. So know that, know that. That's just really, really important. If we're fighting in a war, we don't even know we're in a war, we're going to lose fighting an enemy we don't even know we have he's going to kill us because we we're not on our guard so be on your guard just as the enemy was after baby Jesus and Joseph had to take Mary and flee with them into Egypt he's after you too he's after you too as warm and fuzzy as we want our marriages and our families to be these sanctuaries refugee refuges of peace and harmony and strength and support and encouragement. We know differently that the family is a battlefield. It's a battlefield. We're fighting for not only our soul, but the soul of our spouse and the souls of our children and the souls of our grandchildren. The souls of our grandchildren. A lot of you are grandparents. Your job wasn't over when your children became adults. Even though they're not practicing the faith, you still have time and access with your grandchildren. The enemy is after them too. If your adult children won't hold the shield and protect them, then you grandparents do your best to do it for them. 
few other things. When it comes to families, we need to be super generous. Super generous. Like lay down your life generous. So Jesus tells husbands, he says, love your wife like I've loved the church. Jesus loved the church so much, he let, he let us murder him for us. Guys, if your wife drives you crazy, say amen, hallelujah, God. She's henpecking me again. She's, she's disappointed in my laziness, and it is laziness. But Lord, I've got to love her to death, literally to death, and my kids. I've got to get off the couch. I've got to turn the TV off. I've got to put my smartphone away. I need to be with them. I need to serve them as you served me. I need to save them as you've saved me. And wives, it's just the same for you. Your husband is not perfect. Not by a long shot. You know that. Not even close. Don't resent him for not being perfect. You're not either. Just love on him. Let's say you're the Blessed Virgin Mary. You are perfect. The Blessed Virgin Mary is literally perfect. Joseph's not. He probably doesn't have a fifth grade education. She's perfect with preternatural knowledge. She understands, as Adam and Eve understood in the Garden of Eden, knowing all things in the order of nature. And her husband might not even be able to read and write. He's trying to find lodging. And the Blessed Virgin Mary knows where, where to find the lodging. And he's, he's humiliating himself by going to his family. And they're all saying, get out of here, get out of here. Coming back to her, I got nothing for you. She's going to be patient with him. Patient, patient every day. Patient with him. She's going to love him and pray for him and support him. Do her best to help him. And together they will raise that little baby Jesus who will save the world. Through your family, you can help to save the world. You can help to save the world. So be generous as God is generous with us. God just infinitely gives away. So infinitely give away. Stop managing the birth of children as if you're buying a car. Just have a dozen kids. Just, why not? Believe me, the economy, the world as we know it is going to collapse in this decade, right? And then your money and your job and all that will be gone and worthless. But your family won't. And it'll be those kids who take care of you in your old age. And the more children you had, the wealthier you will be in your old age. Don't worry about children in America ever starving. You have as many babies as you want. You don't think you can feed them. You can talk to me, and I'll make sure they're taken care of. All right? There's no end to Americans who would help children in need. Don't, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Don't worry about the Joneses. Drive nothing but used cars for the rest of your life so that you can have as many children as God might bless you with. And sometimes you're not blessed with children. You get married and you can't have children and your heart breaks. So be generous, be generous to your spouse, to your children. Know that you're in a spiritual world, not of your own creating and doing. It was there before we existed.
than it will be there after we die, but that we are in a spiritual war. And in your car on the road is the enemy, and in your home and in your bedroom is the enemy. And he's on your shoulder whispering all kinds of resentments and things, selfish desires. Blow them away, blow them off. Listen to your guardian angel. Try to be like this holy family that you see right here in front of the altar. We're attracted to holiness because in our core we want to be holy. That's where we began in the Garden of Eden was holy. And then we lost it. And we've been in search of it ever since. Our holiness is found in Jesus Christ, in his kingdom, in the kingdom that will never end. In this life, let's do our best with the help and the grace of God to live that holy life in our marriages and in our families. And then one day in the next life, there will be no more struggle. When we get to heaven, there's no more struggle. But in this life, there is. And blessed be so that we can show God and our, our spouse and our children and our grandchildren how much we love them because they can see how much we struggle for them. And then we sanctify them. We sanctify ourselves. And not only is our life better, but the human race survives. And by the grace of God can even flourish. And so today we focus on family. We focus first and foremost on that holy family because they set the example in the bar for the rest of us to follow. And we trust in God. And we pursue Him. Pursue God and try to live in Him. And in doing so, we help our family to look like and to reflect God in the Holy Trinity that He is.